Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Welcome to another session at West Coast Bound 2020 with Tilly and me, Victor. This one's going to be much more content-rich than the last one, even though I'm still experiencing a lot of distress and chronic pain while I'm recording it. We chat about power exchange and how it informs this idea of self-doming or executive function, um, which is more the academic term for it. We talk about how to plan or organize for having reduced function. We also note that managing self-care can be exhausting, but list strategies for dealing with chronic conditions regardless. We talk about how to reduce, or rather how we reduce, the emotional labor behind self-care, and we share strategies like touch and somatic movement as a way to distract and manage pain. Tilly offers a model of expensive feelings versus cheap feelings, and we briefly touch on ring theory as I talk about my fear of trying to hold down a 9-to-5 job. We also talk about processing the loss of connection or the loss of experiences that can come up when chronic conditions or our bodies demand we miss out on something or someone. About halfway through, we take a break to check in with friends and then come back to finish our conversation about boot blacking, which was ironically our initial intended topic. An anonymous friend consenting to podcast with us then chats about ADHD and connective tissue disorders like Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which Tilly and said friend both have. I hope you enjoy our exploration of the overlap of chronic pain and chronic illness with BDSM, kink, and power exchange. Recently, I got to visit with Lee Harrington, who's a friend of mine. Oh, Lee Harrington's so cool. Go on. Oh, yeah. Muppet. Muppet. Like, he is my heart Muppet. Yeah, I Um, appreciate that. And he, we, so we just got, like, to spend a few days, like, just hanging out, which, like, kinksters never get to do this right like we're always at conferences and we're always like busy busy or we're like trying to negotiate play with each other blah 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 but it's like just so, a hang yeah so in my 40s my thing is just like hey austin kinkster that i know do you want to go for coffee love it do we want to like sit in pajamas in my living room oh like this God, is yes. this is what my life is now um which is delightful because that's actually where I want to be. I just want to hang out with people and connect with them, right? That's great. Um, And so he was talking about how his current technology for like managing submission and preparedness is pouches, which is similar to go bag, except it's like miniaturized because like he travels so much that, you know, everything is miniaturized. And so like he has like pouches of like 
his everyday stuff and right. pouches of like what his mam needs and pouches for you know what his mam needs in different times and so like right. it's just like a process of like taking and removing the pouches and oh, modular systems are so fucking great yeah so I haven't like completely adopted that but I do I have started using though those like a bit of that framing and prepping right. myself like this this weekend I actually had a long anticipated date with someone um, who is delightful because we have been connecting in so many ways long distance and they were going to be in the city except fucking snow of course and travel and they couldn't make it and um, that's so frustrating and I haven't processed how sad I feel about that yet yeah the sense of loss from not experiencing connection is something we don't often hold space for yeah when it's like outside of I just got broken up with or like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like other than romantic yeah. loss our society does not hold space very well in my opinion for like oh I'm not going to get to see my friend this weekend yeah and um so one of the things I had done leading up to the weekend because I knew I would be like coming here right after work and then I'd be coming here really early on Saturday because I'm not staying on site and all of this was I had prepared a bag of like everything we would need for our long anticipated date and so I think part of my self-care either this evening or tomorrow is going to be like gently unpacking that bag right and we have like we have been in communication and we've talked about like still wanting to connect and still wanting to have this time and I um, because I'm a bit of a romantic I was like can I offer you like a rain check written in my own blood oh that's (laughs) so sweet I Um, feel like so many people are going to hear that and be mortified but like as a kinkster I'm like that's actually really sweet I love that (laughs) right and and, um, so that's how I'm going to like process this like there was like a lot of anticipation and then there's been some sadness and like and nothing to do with the person, because I'm like, you were trying your best. Totally. And you were working with the circumstances you were dealt, and, right. like, weather. And you still have to process the feels around not having this experience that you were anticipating and you really wanted. There's, like, all these, like, needs that aren't getting met, but, like, you can't process it with, like, a person who's, like, to blame for it. Yeah, there's no one to blame. Right. Literally no one to blame. And those are hard to process sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it... I was very pleased with myself that I was able to skip the needing to be angry and needing to be blamey, um, mm. which was really good. I was actually really struck with compassion with this person because they didn't get to like... Either. Yeah, and they didn't get to come out here and like... They I missed knew, a con as well. They missed the whole conference. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, That's the whole ring theory. You've got to like bail that like disappointment, frustration out of the circle. Yeah. Not into like a more impacted party. Yeah. I also, I'm currently working on, I have a theory I'm currently working with, which is called expensive feelings. Expensive feelings. I love it. feelings. Tell me more. Um, So some feelings are cheap and easy, right? Oh, the best. Sorry. (laughs) We like these cheap and easy feelings, like the likes on Facebook feelings. And well, actually, I don't know. I think they're long-term expensive, but whatever. Oh, I agree. I agree. But you know, yeah, but some like um, my pleasure that I take in my new socks right now is cheap and easy. Yep. I'm just like, I feel a little weird. I put on my new socks. I feel better, right? Um, oh my God, unicorn party. Unicorn party. Sorry. Um, and some feelings are like a bit more expensive, but they're also very good for us. Like um, I've started doing little acts of service for my long-term partner, even though we don't have a power exchanger thing as like part of building our relationship. So it can be a bit like 
expense of building this new routine mm-hmm. around our needs, but it's paying off beautifully. Um, but there's also like expensive feelings where it's like feeling frustration and anger about not seeing this person this weekend. Like that would cost me a lot of energy. Yeah. And that would severely impact my experience of my weekend. And I decided not to invest. Ooh. I was like, I'm not investing in that. I decided to invest in like my compassion for this person and my desire to still connect with this person and I was like I'm investing in those feelings so healthy yeah so maybe it's more like an economics of emotions or something yes I you could teach an economics of emotions class why why is this not a thing that you've written Sarah Sarah (laughs) let's talk about the I could present for you Sarah Tilly could present. For I know, us. totally. Yeah. Well, I've, yeah. I mean, I've presented for you guys before, That's and you I guys mean. are great. Yeah, I could economics present economics of emotion. Economics of emotion, because some, because some, and that's something. Which emotional startup is a terrible investment? And sometimes they are. Sometimes we just, yeah, we just look at something and. Just, is this like old school Bitcoin, or are you like investing in like Dogecoin? <laughs> like, what kind of cryptocurrency is your feeling right now? I can't relate my feelings to cryptocurrencies because I'm just like, I don't understand oh, cryptocurrency. Okay. I don't think I want to. That's but, uh, Thank yeah. you for disclosing that so that You're I didn't okay. go into my brief rant about what cryptocurrency is. I don't think I have the spoon sport anyway, so I probably was just going to be like, it's a math problem. And, and it gets solved and your solution to a math problem is, turns out to be money. Deal with it. <laughs> but like... So with my with my background in anthropology, I'm yeah. like, all money is imaginary anyway. So it like, is. cryptocurrency is just like even more imaginary money. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Nice to see you too. Gets into so many cool ethical issues and like, it's so unregulated, and we get to see like the same kind of harm that used to happen with regular monies before fiat currencies got more regulation. But we don't need to talk too much about it. This is yeah. not a podcast about that talking about the chronic illness that I'm trying to distract myself from by oh. constantly moving for the last half is, hour. Is and that working? I know, the like... The shimmy? Slight body like, rocking? Yeah. Yeah, the like body rocking. That's yeah. a great way to say it. Rocking back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how when you're in like a lot of pain, moving can really distract your body mm-hmm. in that way that it helps you focus on the sensation of your skin just feeling new things, which is why I've been clawing at my forehead because like the <laughs> 8 out of 10 pain that I've right. been feeling as like a headache is right there oh, and clawing man. at the skin interrupts my pain gates. Like, yeah. I don't even know if I'm using the right language, but just that t- the touch receptors on your skin like really interrupt that somatic experience of deep pain. Yeah. So I'm doing my best to just like hydrate when I'm feeling cotton mouth or dry mouth and like just moving a lot. Mm-hmm. And my doctor, it's so fucking funny. You go and talk to a specialist and you're like, I'm experiencing eight out of 10 pain. Like this is, it's really bad. Like it's debilitating. And like the specialist is like, uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know what more, like, yeah. what do you need me to say to you for you to take me seriously? And my GE's like, she's like, are you maybe just like dehydrated? And I'm like, I assure you, friends, I am not dehydrated, but because I want to remain open to solutions, and I know it's really easy diagnostically to fuck yourself over by backing yourself into a corner. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure everything gets due consideration. So, yeah. and especially when I'm talking to a femme, 
or mm-hmm. a person of color, both of which my gastroenterologist is. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah, no, that's But also, great. I'm not certain about anything when I speak to her because yeah. I want to defer to her experience and expertise. I think the downside is I don't think she's taking me seriously as a result of that. Yeah. Because she may be compensating in the same way I'm compensating, not expecting me to be compensating. Right, exactly. Because she does this professionally. She has to compensate yeah. for, like, the fact that people don't probably take her as seriously. Not right. That, not that I can advocate don't. for her or, like, no. pretend to know her experience. But, like, that is the experience <laughs> of femmes of colors that have talked to me. Yeah. So when I think about, like, a See professional you. setting, I'm like, yeah, I can't imagine it's much different. So. Yeah. No, so those yeah. are all good. So TLDR, yeah. I don't TLDR. feel like my G takes me seriously at all. And but not for the wrong reasons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, but also I'm starting to think that maybe she doesn't take me seriously at all and I need to advocate more for myself. I, I'm, are you open to like hearing my thoughts and hearing feedback and maybe a little bit of advice? Sure. Okay. So one thing that occurred to me as you were speaking was I was wondering like, is it possible for you and your GE to actually have, like, a conversation addressing your power relationship there? Definitely. Right? Like, could you could be like, up. you could be like, hey, this is, so this is how I've been approaching our conversations. Right. And I just want to acknowledge, you know, the gender stuff, you yeah. know, all this stuff, um, and, you know, the racialized piece, however that plays out between the two right. of you. Which is complex as fuck, because... I'm mixed race, and I don't know if she is or is not mixed race, um, because the wonderful thing about being having light skin privilege and the horrible thing about having light skin privilege is that like racial ambiguity that like mm-hmm. frees you from a lot of stereotypes, but also exposes you to very different kinds of racism when when yeah. people are like really uncomfortable with not knowing how to put you into a box. Yeah, and if the name on your chart is the name I know you by, right. your name also doesn't. Like, it doesn't necessarily flag your ethnicity. Right. Um, But sometimes it does. And sometimes it flags the quote-unquote wrong ethnicity. Right, yes. Or, like, the ethnicity that you don't identify with or have much heritage in at all. Mm -hmm. But patriarchally, you're like, yeah, I'm, like, one-sixteenth this silly name that is just, like, (laughs) on my paternal side, I'm descended from, like, one-sixteenth this. Right. Yeah. has carried down, and that is, I am that child of these people. Yes, right? Like, that's all complicated. So I'm wondering about that. Like, I... I don't know how that would play out. Um, yeah. The other thing I'm, I'm thinking about is, I'm thinking, recently I saw a meme, and I get so much of my philosophy these days from memes. Love it. Um, is talking about how the person having the lived experience is the expert. Right. So, like, you are the, like, whether or not you have IBS or right. another thing, and I, I have no idea, right? Like, I have no medical background. I only have medical background as a chronically ill patient, right? right? Um, I don't know, but, like, you are the expert on your own symptoms and your own lived experience. So that's, I think, I would give you that to, like, think of and consider as you walk into these appointments. Is, mm-hmm is you're you're the person who knows how this feels, who knows how this impacts you, who knows that, like, half the sushi restaurants are good and half the sushi restaurants are dangerous. Like, you know all these things. Sure. And the last thing I'm thinking of is, in my experience, as someone who lives with chronic pain and, like, we've talked about the, like, how I don't like high-functioning, but I am high-functioning, right? right? Like, I... There's a language that's complicated. I pass. 
I yeah. pass as able-bodied a lot of the time. Fuck. I I hear that so hard. Right? Um, and I do a lot of work to pass as able-bodied. Oh, yeah. Which can be good and can be terrible depending on the circumstance. And the dumb thing about it being about food, too, is, like, people don't always get what an intensely intimate and social thing food sharing is. Oh, God. And how it fucks with all of your relationships when you're like, oh, I can't go out to food with you. Or, like, oh, I can't eat that thing you're trying to offer me. It's like when people offer me to pay for a $2 coffee... I, I don't tell them I can get it. I tell them I will get them a coffee, like, when I'm in their city. Like, I just did that today with Jim yeah. Duval because he was yeah. like, let me get your coffee for you. And I was like, the way yeah. we share gifts is a love language for some people, and it's, yeah. it's important. And it's important not to reject those because they're moments for, they're opportunities for intimacy and connection. Yeah, exactly. And I think food is a lot about intimacy and connection, mm. about, like, preparing food and sharing food. Yeah. And, um, and it's... And it's so, and it gets so complicated, because um, it's like, like, it's like love and connection and nurturance, or like restriction or discipline, and it's it's so big. Um, mm. But one thing I think about that sometimes helps doctors, because I pass as able-bodied, because I do so much work, because I dissociate from my own body and experience so much to just like survive living in this body um, and I have like the dissociation from my own bodily experience is like something I've done my entire life like I don't even know and really remember how I learned to do it mm-hmm. um, because I've been experiencing like levels of chronic pain since childhood so one of the things that I find is good for them is to give them like really concrete like I miss X many days of work a month right? because of this, my symptoms. I, you I'm know... A, I'm afraid of getting a 9 to 5 because I don't think I'm functional enough to actually take on a 9 to 5, so that impacts yeah. me getting a job that isn't freelance. So that might be something to tell her is I... My symptoms are such that I can't hold down a 9 to 5 job. I can right. only freelance because I need to have, right. you know, three days a week where I can do yeah. my work lying on my back, yeah. right? Or... Yeah however that shows up yeah well it's it's it averages probably it, it depends on the week right mm. it's like i've been mostly well for like almost a month i've gotten into that pre-six state if right. you know what i mean it's almost like people who have an aura before they have experience really yes. severe illness um i have this like sense of like sludginess in my guts and I have this sense of, like, grossness and heaviness. Right. Or I get this sense of, like... I get this sense of thirst that doesn't quite feel like thirst. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, alternatively, yeah. I get momentary spells of dizziness. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'll be perfectly well. And the spell of dizziness will just be, like, 10%, 20%, 25%, 20%, 10%. And it's gone. Right. And but it's a, it's a flag. It'll just be this little, like, flash of dizziness, and it will just be like, oh, your body's probably experiencing an intense reaction to something right now, and you just don't know what, that's reaction, what that reaction is to. Um, but, like, my, my GP, I went into my GP entirely unrelated to renew my mental health meds. Mm-hmm. And when I went in, I was so sick, I almost... I almost rescheduled, but I was like, no, I need to go and do this. I'm running out of mental health events. I have to go and do this. So I went in, 
Anyways, and I've never done this before in my life, but I was so ill that I had to get up on the um, on the examination table while I was waiting for the GP to show up. First, my head was in my lap. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get my head down lower and just, like, I was feeling exhausted. And then, like, my hands were starting to slip from, like, holding my head up. Because, you know, when you're about to fall asleep, how you momentarily lose control of a limb mm-hmm. because it's so exhausted? That's where I was, sitting in a chair waiting for my doctor. So I literally got up on the exam table, lay on my back, and I was trying to put my hands over my eyes because I was a little light sensitive. And I couldn't hold my hands up, so I did, like, one arm across my eyes, and the other went down at my side, and that was good. Oh, and then I literally, like, put my knees up and just waited for the doctor to get there. And then when he came in, I sat up and was like, hey, like, sorry, I didn't mean, like, I was, like, apologizing. <laughs> but I felt like I was imposing on him somehow. Right. For, like, being on his exam table and, like, thinking about that and how fucked that is. is like, the system made me wait for you this long. Yeah. And I'm so ill, I couldn't like wait for you in a socially acceptable position right and like follow the protocol right. of, the of what's allowed right. right of the doctor being the one to tell me to get on the exam exactly like, the I structure of yes, the doctor appointment the power i wasn't able to, to observe the, the like etiquette around power yeah um and the fucked up thing is that's because as a gp he was not able to get me the care i needed from a specialist <laughs> which is not exclusively his responsibility but like he's part of that system yeah um, and as a result, no specialist was really able to help me um, get the care I needed to not be so sick. I couldn't fucking sit down while I was waiting to get health care. <laughs> so, like, I was having this meta moment of, like, why am I apologizing? But it's, like, that's the way that etiquette doesn't allow for the humanity of being chronically ill. Right? And that's yeah. true socially in so many ways. It is. It is true, and it's something that I've, um, yeah, that I have struggled with. Is especially like dealing. Hi, I. I need to desperately say goodbye to a friend. No, it's good. Yes, touch my face. All the love. I offended you on that. Oh, that's great. Here's where we take a brief break just to check in with friends, and then come back to finish our conversation. Boot blacks support the material culture, so I mean like the physical objects of leather community. So we care for people's boots and vests and chaps and jackets and floggers and 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 anything out of made made out of leather really we can do. And in doing so, I believe that we support the like emotional and spiritual integrity of leather people as well we make people feel sexier more powerful or less powerful or more vulnerable through doing this kind of physical caretaking um and that's really all i have to say on the sunday afternoon of a conference because i'm I'm out of it but i am at almost every single mvk at the boot stand you can come i will like like i'm like i just don't i'm like i will dump so much information into you i'm just that person and you perfect yes yes but aren't we all aren't we just all like that adhd life of like information sometimes i I certainly am i actually don't have adhd but ADHD people are apparently my... I told you this yeah, yeah, the other yeah. day. I was like, like, 75% of my people are diagnosed with ADHD. And literally, like, I have had more than one mental health professional be like, no, you really don't have it. And I'm like, cool. But I like ADHDers. So I'm like, hey, um, you want to talk about shit like you like for eight hours? Cool. Yeah. 
I'm like, you want to talk about topical bullshit? Uh, I'm out. Yeah. And I I take it you don't have... Talk about Bachelor over Brunch? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) And I take it that um, you don't have dyslexia or anything like that. I have some dyscalculia, like very mild dyscalculia, um, childhood brain injury. And oh, interesting. My, so my brand of neurodivergence is I have bipolar type 1, right. rapid cycling, baseline of hypomania with obsession-only OCD on top. Wow, that is just that, like... That uh, makes a lot of that sense is like, that ADHD people so are it, people. It's almost like composite ADHD. <laughs> so I was going to call it um, a mental health Sunday. Yeah. And like... Yeah. yeah. It just seems like ADHD is like the general flavor of like what happens when you blend all the types of ice cream together in your mental There's health Sunday. There's a book called uh, ADHD Doesn't Exist. And at first I was like, what the fuck? But it's oh. actually talking about that ADHD, what we call ADHD is just a bunch of things. I would that like, that. And this, I, I haven't read it yet, but I was looking at it. I was like, that's interesting. He's like, it's like a bunch of symptoms. And we say, if you have this many of these symptoms, then you have ADHD. Could you right. message me about that title? Because my, so my long-term nesting partner mm-hmm. has severe ADHD. Well, I think it's severe ADHD because I'm like, you are just like off the wall, honey. Um, Maybe just the hyperactivity is a, a really strong trait well, for but them. she doesn't. Um, it's not a physical hyperactivity, it's mental hyperactivity. Mm-hmm. So she has been, ever since she was diagnosed, has been doing like a deep dive of reading all the things. Oh, that's that's the first thing. That's the first thing you do. Right. You do, my my new special interest is now my own ADHD. Yeah. And I'm going to do all the ADHD things, and I'm going to read up all about it, and I'm going to look at my, oh, that's why I do that. That's why I do that. Oh, there's other people who do this too. Okay, so like literally my whole life. What part yeah. of my life is ADHD, and what part of my, is my personality? So she listens to like audiobooks, and she has like multiple... Um, e-books going at the time because she jumps chapter to chapter to chapter. Well, yeah, like I can't she, focus for that. No, she can't read books linearly. Um, and yeah, so it's so I'm just curious. To, I'm going to ask her if she read this book. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Which she she has probably read some of it sometime yeah. in the past. I thought it was pretty. I like thought the concept was pretty interesting because I'm like, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, that assessment of ADHD as being like a blanket term for actually a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, that like it's like comorbidity is the thing well yeah. especially with anxiety too it's well yeah like, how quickly so, do you jump from thing to thing to thing when you're anxious and how or how much of you... it is the else the other way around as well right. it's like getting my adhd treated my anxiety has dropped significantly right. right like i don't even have the same kind of thoughts when i get on public transit that i used to where i would be like oh god how many people are gonna be on that train how am i gonna, like when i get off how crowded is it gonna be is the escalator gonna be empty am i gonna i have a really big fear of getting my shoe stuck or missing the step on the escalator because mm-hmm. i got a shoe stuck in an escalator when i was a kid and escalators uh, are scary they are. and there was that woman in china and a few years back who there was they, they put the video on the internet i did not no. watch it but i was like okay yeah that's just that's not good for my anxiety or phobias at all but yeah, no, that was uh, getting treated for my ADHD, my depression, and my anxiety dropped significantly because my brain has serotonin in it now. Mm. Right. But it's also like, so uh, anxiety is like, uh, I think 60% of people with hypermobility disorders have anxiety, uh, which is really, really high correlation, diagnosed. I have, I I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, yeah. Oh my God. Hi. 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 Yes. What syndrome? Ehlers-Danlos, uh, hypermobility syndrome. So oh, I have hypermobile is, type. That is so uncommon. You are like number 12 of people I but know with 
Yeah, so and do I'm I. like, I don't know that many people. Like, I don't know like yeah, tens it's, of thousands. I don't think th- I think the statistics are heavily skewed by the fact people don't get diagnosed. Because mm-hmm. hypermobility is a spectrum disorder. My my mom and my sister are both hypermobile. My dad used to be more hypermobile, but he has had a lot of uh, joint surgeries. Mm-hmm. But, like, my mom and my sister's hypermobility affects them in much different ways than it affects me, and not in as many joints. Yeah, my mother um, has never been officially diagnosed, or as far as I know, she hasn't been Yeah, it's super, it's super hereditary, and ADHD but, is as hereditary as height as well, like, like those things are... Yeah, and so I, I was diagnosed with hypermobility, and then she started seeing an osteopath, and the osteopath is like, you have a fascinating combination of locked and hypermobile joints, and I was like, is you. You're the parent. <laughs> I got it on both sides, and oh. uh, yeah. So my like my, if I straighten my arm, mm. it was quite yeah. And so almost all my joints are hypermobile, mm-hmm. except for ones I've had like surgery on and stuff like that now. But when I was a kid, I, I danced ballet, mm-hmm. I did figure skating, all the things that made it worse. Bent my knees back like way too much. I now have scoliosis and all sorts of fun things from my hypermobility. And I, it was finally when I went to a podiatrist to get orthotics because my knees give out all the time and, and my hips and stuff. And I'm like, maybe it will help with my back pain and my all of my other pain. And she's like, do you have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? <laughs> like literally five minutes into the appointment. All she had done was look at my leg, look at my foot, have me walk back and forth in her office. She's like, no, she's like, you just have all the things and I don't even know you. I was explaining my sister's difficulties with anesthesia. Oh, yeah, that's anesthesia. Yep. To oh, a wake nurse. Up intubated? That's fun. Yeah, and he would looked at me and I said, and I'm hypermobile. And he's like, Ehlers Danlos. And that was before the official diagnosis. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Because I'm just like, we're not going to have a relationship. I'll just agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a physiotherapist? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. I have a physio. Mm-hmm. And he's like, actually competent with hypermobility. Oh, that might be something I would talk about. Yes, I would love to. Mine is, like, he's very thorough, very, very smart, and a really great IMS physio, which is my, Mm. like, because I have uh, nerve impingements in Mm. all my major nerves in my extremities, Mm -hmm. so he'll, like, needle the shit out of me. Right. Like, in the way that I need it, because I've had needling done by people who just don't, I guess they just don't push enough. Right. Because I don't feel it a lot of the time. I, then I don't get a release. And then I'm like, I paid for a physio appointment. And it didn't give me relief. Not because they're not competent, but because I need someone who's willing to push it as far as it needs to go to get the muscles to contract. Yes. Yep. So that makes And sense. some people are uncomfortable with that, which is totally fair. Mm-hmm. But they're just not for me. Yes. As we discussed at a conference about I, I pushing am, people's I am, boundaries. I am so glad we made this, like, last-minute <laughs> random connection, because I feel like this will oh, be a good... butt doilies. <laughs> it's a good butt doily. It's, it's also a good bookend about chronic illness, too, because no, there are just so many types seen. of invisible chronic illnesses. Yes. So it's... Thank you so much, Anonymous Friend, for being on my podcast. <laughs> You're welcome, Anonymous Friend. No. <laughs> Never met you before in my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, can we, are you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so many different kinds of invisible chronic also, illness. Um, this one so, over here yeah, is it's an excellent yeah. proof black and helpful to have a little bit of perspective on different kinds of. Yeah, I'll give you a hug. Oh. So good. To yes, definitely. And if you ever need to, thing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you need to borrow my jacket? No, because my sister does it. Um, All right, I am 
I am vertical, and I think I'm going to make it back to my car and contact my partner and drive myself and them home because the con is officially over and my volunteering duties are over and it is time for me to go and lie on my ass and watch a movie and get some hot water and just be like warm and horizontal and have no cares so that I can just do the self-care that I need to take care of myself. I don't even know that that scanned or made any sense, but it is what I'm going to do because it is very important. And realistically, I wish there were things I could do that would necessarily help, but unfortunately, sometimes we don't get to control our quality of life. It's just like, it is what it is. For example, that painkiller that I took earlier didn't even touch my pain levels. It was like I didn't take anything at all. So I'm pretty confident that ibuprofen does nothing, which is what I thought before. And, you know, every once in a while you try medication again and it still does nothing for me and that's fine. Um, But I'm going to try some of the other painkillers as these sorts of things continue to happen. And yeah, I think the scariest moments for me on chronic pain have been ones where I lose control of my pain and my ability to manage my pain. The first time you have an experience where, like, you're in a lot of pain and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, it's fucking terrifying. But anyways, hopefully you've enjoyed the episode, um, chatting with random folks about different chronic illnesses and just like what my experience was, like lying on my ass with these obligations I've committed to. And then my body starts letting me know that I'm not going to be able to meet those obligations very well. And it's just really challenging because not being a reliable person is something I've received feedback on um, quite recently. And it's something I'm actively trying really hard to change. I want to be on time to things despite working through anxiety. And I want to show up for things and not flake or cancel despite having chronic illness and it's tough it's really tough so I'm just doing my best to try and do all those things and meet my obligations and I've been I've been doing better with it but but I am where I am so we'll just close out with a final word from Tilly and then I'll probably start to head home I'm just letting everyone know that I'm probably going to head... You can sit, yeah. Yeah. That I'm probably going to head home fairly soon just Mm -hmm. because I'm finally vertical and, like... Mm Mm-hmm. You look better. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. at the very least, lying on my ass and drinking water for a long period of time. Um, And it's not like I was dehydrated because I drank a lot of water before. That was probably... I've had, like, one and a half liters today, probably. Mm-hmm plus like 500 mils of coffee, which I get for a lot of people can cause problems. But for me, the caffeine and coffee is one of the only things that helps solve this type of obstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was part of the reason that my GE was like, well, you know, you kind of already have some tools, like the p- peg stuff. Oh, yeah, peg. Yeah, I've pegged. <laughs> <laughs> you are funny. So funny. Poly- polyethyl glycol, is that it? Mm. Anyways... Um, it's basically a long polymer that just like soaks up water, but it isn't diffusible through your skin. So you won't absorb it out of the lumen of your intestines. So it functions to hold water in your intestines, which prevents you from getting dehydrated intestinally, 
which can help lubricate and rehydrate material and matter and like help move stuff through your body. If I were at home right now, I probably have already had a spoonful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike Mary Poppins, sugar does not help it go. Actually, it's not true. If you have enough water and sugar with it, it does help it go down, but it's also pretty tasteless. Mm. Yeah, the one time I had it, I remember the the ingestion process was just like, it was fine. It was whatever. It's not too strong. Mm-hmm. If if you try and have it with very little water, it's pretty strong. But Okay. But honestly, it's, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Oof. Okay. I feel so gross and uncomfortable. No. But also, that medication did not touch me. That pain medication was oh. like zero effect. Do you want to go downstairs and get like Tylenol? Yeah, I think okay. I, I think it's about time for me to try the Tylenol, and then I need to pick up my partner and uh, drive her to her place, and then drive myself to my place because mm-hmm. there's a snowfall warning in effect right now. Mm. And looking at the temperature, it's going to pick up right around 7 p.m. and it's 5:15 now, so. There's exactly enough time for me to gently and relaxedly do all the things I need to do before getting home, probably puking my guts up, and then lying on my ass in front of a TV, not paying attention to the movie that's distracting me. And hopefully by tomorrow I'll feel better. This sounds like a solid self-care plan, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious when you're like, what does my self-care look like? It looks like barely making it through, but the important thing to focus on isn't the barely, but the making it through. Making it through. Oh, look, yeah. And look, there's my person. lovely par- yeah, partner, person, human. Okay. okay. Thank you so much to all the audience that listened to our noisy, <laughs> like, ramblings and, like, random anonymous person that came into the conversation and shared and connected with you, Tilly, about it's, the most amazing. It was, like, such a perfect segue. Yeah. It was um, serendipitous mm-hmm. is the word. No, that was a... Yeah, that felt the moment where the universe was, like, bringing me and this person together, and I have no idea what that's going to look like or, yeah. like, how our connection will evolve, but I'm like, yes, I'm glad now I know this person. And I know other people with the same connective tissue disorder as well. Oh. Um, like... And, and, like, she needs to be in a wheelchair. It's mm. so difficult. Mm-hmm. But then she gets all kinds of flack when she stands up from her wheelchair. And she's like, no, you just don't get it, you fuck. Like, yeah. it's invisible illness for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. you don't get it, but I need to be in this wheelchair. Yeah. So, TLDR, respect people in wheelchairs, even if you don't, if you don't think they should be in there, that's okay. You're yeah. not the one in the wheelchair, and you don't need to have an opinion about that. Yeah. Certainly not one you express to that person. Yeah, like, in general, just trust people about their bodies. Oh, yes. 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 Thank you so much for being such an awesome guest, Hilly. I really appreciate yes. this session. And it helped distract me when I was in a lot of pain. Oh, I'm glad that helped. It's down to, like, a six and a half, seven, and I know it's going to go back up all the more reason I need to go and get stuff and, and implement the self-care plan where I need to function more to drive. Yeah. Now is the time for me to be doing that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for this. I really enjoy our sessions. Yay, me too. This is great. Yes. <laughs> this is a great friendship experiment. It is a great friendship experiment. <laughs> all the love. May I give you a hug? Yes. Okay. Oh. So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard, or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon, where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. 
If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.